Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a regular catch-up about the political stories we're covering. Your peek behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week inside Parliament. It's election year, baby, so let's rip into it. This week we talk old Prime Ministers and new Prime Ministers, polls, policy and space cadets. I'm One News digital political reporter Felix Demaray and with me is the best and brightest of New Zealand political reporting. That, that's really nice of you. We might have to edit that bit out later. Jessica, <laughs> I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Benedict Collins. Morena Kushla Norman. Alrighty. So, first off, pits and peaks back to the old classics. Jess, what are your pits and peaks for this week? Um, a couple of things I just wanted to mention. Uh, the first one is um, the death of Georgina Beyer. Uh, she was such a political colourful, dominant and influential figure here in the corridors of of power and I just think it's worth mentioning her. I have a really fond memory of staking out the back of parliament and her coming over and and beaming at us waiting for um, unsuspecting MPs and still being very much into the minutiae of politics and she was just a colourful figure and I think it's not till we took a moment to pause that you realise how influential she was and how much she changed at Parliament. So that was one thing I wanted to point out. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting is um, Todd Muller again making his um, retirement from politics. So he did it before under Lux and he came back and now he's gone again and I found it really interesting uh, talking to him in his final interview he was refreshingly honest about how tough this place is and I think um, sometimes we forget about that you know we're in it and we're Mm. working in it it's a pretty full on environment and I really appreciated his honesty and openness about how tough it is because we hardly ever hear that so those were my my two bits I wanted to talk about those two peaks there you don't didn't have any pits last week it must have been a good week for you well I think some may argue that Georgina Beyer um perhaps is a pit um, right. but also the acknowledgement of her um her not commitment what's the word I'm looking contribution. for contribution contribution yeah. would be a peak as yeah well. so yeah mm. lovely yeah, for me, I think um, something that's really stood out for me this week has been uh, the investigative journalist at RNZ, Guy Nespina, his series kind of casting light on that shadowy world of lobbyists. Um, he's run a s- series of stories so far this week. I imagine there's more probably coming. Come the, a couple of the really interesting highlights. Looking at, um, he's filed dozens and dozens of OAs to get this information, but looking at like um, uh, Andrew Curtin, who was a lobbyist uh, working for the alcohol industry, really um, calling on the government to make changes around a container return scheme, stuff like that when he was a lobbyist. Uh, Anyway, Chris Hipkins comes to town as Prime Minister. Uh, Hi, um, Andrew Curtin leaves his role as a lobbyist. The next day he's working for the Prime Minister as the Chief of Staff. One of the very first things Chris Hipkins' government does is get rid of this, um, or, or put it on the back burner anyway, this container... Um, return scheme and also parked other key kind of government legislation like looking at alcohol industry um, sponsorship and sport now the Prime Minister Chris Hipkins told told me the other day in a stand up look this is just a total coincidence that um, you know this former lobbyist who's now my chief of staff um, you know and, and that we're making these decisions um, another really interesting thing I think that Guy Nespin has looked at was um, another lobbyist called David Cormack 
uh, how he was um, advising the chief executive of Pharmac uh, to do a runner after a select committee to look hurried um, and not hang around and ask, answer journalists' questions. And if it's one thing that really makes me seethe, it's public, public sector bosses doing runners after select committees and treating the public with contempt. Um, mm. so it seems like such poor advice as well, just for just the basics of yeah. being held to account. And yeah, yeah, and, and fascinating kind of look at the strategy that David Cormack was giving to Pharmac around trying to go to friendly journalists and avoid journalists like Indira Stewart um, at TVNZ and Rachel Smelly as well, who, who they think you know do um, stories that are too critical. So yeah, so fascinating kind of look into what incredible access these lobbyists and what incredible sway they have over um, you know both Labour and, and, and national government. So I thought that was a really standout interesting Yeah, issue. and I'm with you on that too, Benedict, that contempt for public accountability just yeah. kind of grinds my gears and that's the bit that really jumped out to me as well. And, you know, God forbid journalists should be able to do their jobs and, you know, hold power to account on behalf of the public. Mm. Um, Kushla? Mm, well, maybe not a pit or a peak, but more sort of a bit of a fascinating kind of insight, I thought, into the meeting of the worlds of political reporting and the politicians themselves, just um, the Stuart Nash um, controversy and how all of that unfolded really with the ACT Party leader listening into Hosking's ZB, picking up that point that was lost on Hosking himself, that in fact Stuart Nash had overstepped the mark here really um, and was not respecting the separation of powers. How that gets picked up, the press release goes out. Now there was just some really fortunate timing that morning, wasn't there? Because it is often really quite hard to... um, to corner a politician, you know, there's there's recess weeks um, where they're not here, um, and it's it's quite rare that in a situation on the same day that the scandal is unfold, well. Stuart Nash is holding this sort of NASA intern press conference. It was really sort of ripe for the Too picking. Too perfect, wasn't it? Too perfect. Yeah, and, and that's right, because in that interview with Mike Hosking, Stuart Nash had revealed that he had made a phone call to the police commissioner, um, Andrew Costa, and had basically repeatedly kind of urged him to appeal a case um, where um, Stuart Nash felt the... Um, basically the punishment wasn't stiff enough. Um, yeah, so it was fascinating. Which is and, very and, much a no-no. <laughs> 20 minutes... Well, Less probably 10 15 minutes after I read that press release, I was sitting there in that in, in the theatre at B, um, at Parliament, um, watching Stuart Nash, um, basically hand out um, internships or award internships to a bunch of fascinating young Kiwis who are heading over to NASA to do um, work over there. And they had some of the NASA's top people there actually, who as well, talking about um, you know, and it was just a, it was a like lovely that. moment. It was, it was, it was yeah. meant to be a good news story, lo and behold. We were outside in the corridor in the waiting. And and yeah. I have no idea if Stuart Nash would have known uh, what was about yeah. to take well, place. Stuart Nash has been a, an MP for 15 years, <laughs> right? And when I walked into that press conference, I was thinking, surely he's noticing how many more reporters are coming in here, but more than maybe for the, you know, that, that announcement. So I wondered if he'd clocked it, but it didn't seem like he had, did it? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Mm. No. So. What were your pits and peaks? Right, so um, similar to yours, Jess, with the peak was Todd Muller and his really candid interview with you, and you did such a great job with that too. Um, and I just think his his openness with his struggles with mental health um, 
uh, he seems to understand the impact that it's had, but um, it's kind of immeasurable, um, him being open with that stuff. So um, good on him, and um, I'm sure most people wish him all the best. Um, and for the pit, National uh, announcing an announcement yesterday. Um, <laughs> very strange sort of Out of technique. the Labour playbook, maybe. Yeah, well, when was that? What, what what are you referring to with that? COVID. It's all very Labour 2017. Yeah, eh? and, and co- around COVID, they used to do this announcement of an announcement. Right, yes. So. Yeah, it's an odd technique. Um, I, I don't know what they're trying to achieve with it. They're um, trying to get two days of coverage out of it, I'd yeah. imagine. Um, but and to, they're succeeding. And Yeah, and to be fair, um, Labour were, it's not the announcement of an announcement, but the other day they uh, sent out an embargoed release at three o'clock um, about beneficiary numbers uh, that was embargoed to run at 5am the next day I think which is I think kind of in bad faith a little bit because it doesn't give reporter, reporters long enough to scrutinise scrutinize those numbers and it gives Labour a sort of free hit um, for a couple of hours before the opposition responds so I just kind of think that's a little bit. I feel like this is turning into a little bit of a therapy session for all of the things that have bugged us <laughs> this, this week so um, but, but I, I feel like this is we're getting into Twitter territory here we'll have to be careful right. um, so obviously the big elephant in the room is that we have a new prime minister so Kushla Norman you were in the room when Jacinda Ardern resigned what was that like yeah, yeah. first ever political reporting story and I was told <laughs> welcome to the job uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a newbie in the team um, and I was told by my colleagues Jess and Benedict yeah go to caucus not much happens there. Summer it's, caucus retreat. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mid, it's mid-Jan, you know, they'll be playing cricket. You someone, got this. someone else said to me, it's quite boring. It's really boring. Anyway, it was, dun, the, dun, dun. It was the double header in Napier. It was the bombshell of the bay. We were at the National Party caucus. Um, nothing terribly scintillating happened there. Then it was on across the bay to, it was held at, I believe, the National War Memorial, this um, venue in Napier. Got set up there. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because looking back, did I see some signs? Perhaps, I mean, there was a heavy police presence. The cameraman, Matt, he said to me, oh, there's a lot of cops around today. This feels a little bit... A little bit more heightened, but then, as you guys know, it wouldn't have been uncommon for so many police to follow the Prime Minister around, right? Second, sort of looking back on it, unusual thing, we were told there was going to be announcement, yet no bit of paper, no um, hint whatsoever. I tried to push the press sec on it, just couldn't get a squeeze out of him on it. So nothing there. And then we sit down. Now, had I just looked to my right um, and been a bit more observant, I would have seen the Prime Minister's partner, Clark Gayford, which would have been your first sign, something's up here. Prime Minister walks into the room um, and says she's got two announcements. I'm thinking, God, this is exciting. First one, election day. And then you're like, well, what is the next one going to be? And she does that. She's great at the preamble, isn't she? Um, with COVID, always gave a bit of a backstory. With this one, the preamble was, oh, baby, this is an exciting preamble. Like, you're talking words like reflection. Yes, the word um, reflection. The word one. reflection got me. Mm. And then I think I saw the iPhones and cameras go up <laughs> and the flash hit on the sort of, I've got no juice left. Oh, what was it? Um, 
no gas in the no tank. No gas in the tank. Yeah. No gas in the tank. Thank you. And 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 it was it was you could see she was clearly emotional, very emotional. Um, and it was quite just quite surreal is is how I would explain it and this all took place in a very sort of humdrum kind of school hall kind of you know there wasn't there wasn't pomp or anything to it it was um for a huge historical moment yeah yeah Mm. fascinating it was my first week in the job as well (laughs) uh as digital reporter which for listeners if you don't know what that is that means I write for the website um so I was I started my my first week up in Auckland at the TVNZ headquarters, the mothership, and I just stepped away from the computer. There'd, there'd been a, um, an announcement from National; they had a their own shadow cabinet reshuffle, and I that was ostensibly the story of the day, really. Besides, from you know maybe an, an announcement from the Prime Minister about the election date. Um, I wrote that story up. I thought oh, I'll have a little break, a little five minute break. My boss said. Oh yeah, I'll listen in to the PM's um, press conference. If there's anything big, I'll let you know. <laughs> so I went away and I took about three minutes of a break and I thought, you never know what could happen in politics. Anything can happen. I'm just I just had a feeling in me waters, I guess. And so I, I Your instincts were already there yeah, the first week in the job. Absolutely. I guess so. And so yeah, I got back to the computer and just as I was arriving at my desk, my boss was on the other side of the desk, Josh, shout out to him. And he goes, she's resigning. She's, she's resigning. And he said it so quietly. And afterwards he said, I wish I'd just stood up and yelled so that the whole newsroom knew because it was, you know, massive news. And, but everybody just couldn't really believe it because nobody saw it coming. And I sat down because I suddenly realised, right, this is, uh, this is the beginning proper of my job and I'm going to have to get a story out there ASAP. And I sat down and I couldn't remember the password to sign into my computer <laughs> because I'd only, I'd only said it earlier that week. So I was just sitting there panicking for what it felt like an eternity, but I got the password in, we got the story out, and actually I think we were first with the push notification, so go One News. Congratulations. OneNews.co.nz, it is the place for your political news. Uh, if uh, we're doing inside where we were in that moment, I was at my grandmother's um, 90th birthday um, <sighs> Sipping pink lemon, lemonade with my granny Anne in a um, in a floral dress um, at at her retirement village, and um, got a call and came straight into the office. So I, I feel like um, my annual leave over mm. summer came to a very abrupt end that day. A really good call, Jess. That was a that was a great. Um, Great decision to make. <laughs> I thought another thing that was interesting, right, because at the, at the end of last year, we, we had a poll and we had a sit-down interview with Jacinda Ardern, and we sort of asked her, hey, you know, like, mm. given the, you know, grief you're getting at the moment when you go out in public, given, you know, the firestorm that follows you wherever you go, you know, is, is your heart still in this? As to uh, multiple times. Yeah, mm. right, and, yeah. and yes, yes, I am. We, How convinced we can do this were you and, and were, in her answers? Were, I was convinced, yeah. I thought... I thought she might be feeling how we were feeling, mm. and I don't want to compare our job to the Prime Minister's, obviously hers is much more intense, but everyone was spent at the end of last year, like exhausted, and it was like, okay, let's go away over summer, let's all reset, and we'll come back fresh next year, and I thought that's what she would do. I, I think you acknowledged she was burnt out, like we all were, mm. I think, um, but I, that's, that was my take on it, yeah, that she might resign about now, but she would come back after summer 
and yeah. give it another couple of months. They were down a bit in the polls as well, right? And she was determined that they could fight back from where they were and that she wasn't giving up, blah, blah, blah. And now we know that at around that same time, while she was giving us those answers, she was going around to Grant Robertson and, and Chris Hipkins and being like, hey, I'm not sure if I've got, I can do this. I'm going to have a think about it over the break mm. and, and, and make up my mind early last year. But she's clearly already um, sending signals to those around her that um, you know maybe she was going to be on the way out. Which, and we should shout out too, because we know that from Claire Trevec's great piece yeah, in the Herald. Yeah, fantastic um, piece. On the backstory of, of that resignation. Mm. All right, well, um, we should move on a little bit, but I guess I um, might just touch on, if, I mean, as briefly as we can, because it's a massive question, but what does this mean now for the election? It's a big change. What's it's a huge change, different? and I think, to me, there's a few elements to this. Um, first of all, because of the security implications with Jacinda Ardern and being a woman and out campaigning, um, she was getting a lot more hate and those traditional walkabouts just weren't going to be an option anymore. Um, now that it's Chris Hipkins, it feels like a lot of that has died down and we've been told that we're going to go back to a much more traditional campaign. So um, town hall meetings, out and about and um, doing mall visits. And just on a side note to that, I just think that, I, I don't think I quite realised when we get, because we're kind of in the Prime Minister's orbit, we as as reporters, and probably female reporters particularly, get a bit of that um, reflected from her. Since um, Chris Hipkins has come in, that's really died away from... from my perspective, and I just think that's so interesting and so telling that we get a fraction of what the Prime Minister was dealing with and just how that has changed with having new leader but also a, a male um, Prime Minister again. And it'll be interesting to see as his sort of honeymoon fades, if you like, um, whether that changes uh, with... But it was just... I think it's a really interesting observation. But going back to the campaign, I think it's going to be... Um, a tight race and I think it probably always was going to be but this solidifies that and we're going to see those presidential style campaigns coming out again with getting to know Chris Hipkins, getting to know Chris Luxon so that people can try and decide who they want in that hot seat. So I think it's a really, it makes for a really interesting election campaign. Do you think Hipkins is going to be as Ardern. Ardern was the face of Labour. She was on all the billboards. Yes. It was all about Ardern. Is it to going to be yeah. Hipkins? Do you yeah, think? I asked that for exactly the same mm. reason and I was um, talking to sources about that and they are saying, yep, that he's going to be on the billboard um, and that he is their kind of selling point. And I kind of think we saw that this week with him going out to his old school. The pie shop. pie shop. Yeah. You know, mm. Chicky from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're building this narrative. Yeah. 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 That person, almost the cult of personality, which I mean is is a massive part of our politics. Absolutely, it's, yeah. It is slightly presidential, even though it's actually not. You know, yes. we vote for parties, not people. But in reality, face. Yeah. yeah. No, I think so far it seems to be seems to be working for Labour. They seem to have, um, you know, they're definitely on the down at the end of last year, and, and we've we've already done a poll. At the start of this year, right? That's a great which, segue, Benedict. Right? Yeah, which which shows that Labor's starting to, you know, pick things up, and it showed that for the first time in I'm not sure how long, but a long time, um, Labor, the Green Party, with support of Te Pāti Māori, could actually form a government, um, which, which was a real change from mm. that kind of direction we'd seen National and Act heading in, and, and Labor heading down under Jacinda Ardern. They've, they've turned it around. 
And it's a bit of a dip for National in the last poll as well. So that was quite interesting. What were those numbers again, Jess? So uh, the latest poll was 36 for Labour down 2, 34 for National down 3. Um, But what was really interesting in that is that we had Chris Hipkins up 4 on 27 and Christopher Luxon on 17 down 5. So you saw a little bit of a fading away of both those big parties, but a real drop off for Christopher Luxon just because... He's been pretty starved of oxygen and um, he just hasn't been around a yeah. lot. So, and, and the reason he's been starved of oxygen, right, is because we've had that huge cyclone that came through New Zealand. You've had the government responding and the National Party really learnt their lesson, I think, during COVID when you had Simon Bridges coming mm. out, I think it was that disastrous Facebook post, yeah. um, criticising the government during a national emergency. National got slaughtered by the public for doing that. It was the start of, you know... The, the end of his political career, basically, you know, um, national went into disarray. So pretty much, you know, the national party went into you know dark mode. Went, went deliberately went silent during that. Let the government respond. You know, when they did speak, they did try to sort of off, be constructive during the national emergency. But very much, they had a very quiet period running up to this poll. So I don't think they'd be too disappointed mm. with where with with where the party was at, the national party. I think they would be worried about Christopher Luxon's popularity popularity really falling away there and, um, and you know while you see Chris Hipkins rise Christopher Luxon was saying that he doesn't feel like the public knows him so he was saying uh, I think the public knows what I've done but they don't know who I am yeah, he's been in the job years, buddy he's been in the job for a year do you think what do you think about that comment that line sounds very familiar in fact, that was the line that Simon Bridges used to say to us every time his polling numbers dipped and preferred Prime Minister. Look, there's a little bit of an element of that, but that you've, people have to know you by now. This is the thing. Also, isn't and that his job is to, over the past year, is to make the public know who he is? Absolutely. And it's about getting out and about, but it's also about um, commenting on issues on the news so that people can see... Uh, the cut of your jib at home and what you stand for. It's also about getting those policy announcements out and really selling those and talking about your vision and what you're going to do. Um, And that perhaps leads us quite nicely onto um, some of the big policy things that have been happening. Um, National had its three waters, um, which was meant to be... um, they had the State of the Nation and there was a bit of a delay with that because of the cyclones. Three Waters kind of ended up being their um, first big one. But it came out on a Saturday, didn't it? And Nelson, you know. Wah, wah. Mm. I mean, we love, we lo- I think it was Blenheim, actually. We love Blenheim, great, but it's just really difficult to get to, um, particularly on a Saturday. Um, and, yeah, they're just starting now to... Uh, to announce some of those policies, mm-hmm. we've got an the, education one today. Yeah, and also the early childhood the, the um, tax rebate. Yeah, yeah, mm. yes. In this mysterious announcement today, uh, which is imminent, um, and which they were announcing yesterday, the announcement of the announcement that and I and Kosha will be heading off before. to that shortly. Actually, very okay, soon. We've probably yeah. got it for two so more minutes. <laughs> before we wrap up, um, obviously the the big story last week was Stuart Nash. Um, Oh, we've already talked about this, haven't we? Not really. No, okay. I, think no. We can, I think there's more to mm. say. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, story, I mean, big, you know, Hipkin's first ministerial resignation, right? Yeah. Um, and and how, did he, how do you think he handled it? I think we could put resignation inside inverted commas there. I don't think there was uh, much choice for Stuart Nash. Um, but, yeah, it was fascinating, right? So, what was it, 7 o'clock in the morning, Stuart Nash does this interview, inadvertently reveals, you know, 
obliviously reveals that he had called the police commissioner. But um, 10 a.m., oh, 10.30, he comes out of this NASA press conference. And and there we the media hit him up, right? He walks out of the theatre and we're, we're straight into him. Have you interfered in a police Benedict case? Then Collins no, in with the first question. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, then, but and then he doubles it, down. Then it was, he doubles down in this interview, right? He denies he's interfered. He denies he's interfered. But he also goes on to really slam... Um, the decision that the judge had made in that case mm. um, going on what about terrible decision it was like ministers cannot do that and I think Stuart Nash knew full well that ministers can't do that but I think he thought he could get away with it um, uh, yeah. because uh, he's the tough on crime guy yeah and, and, you know and, and, and ministers retail. have ministers have done it in the past as well Judith Collins has criticized mm-hmm. you know the outcome of you know, or sentences, stuff like that. Other ministers have done this. He thought he could get away with that, but clearly it was the phone call to the commissioner that just destroyed him. Um, and after, you know, he insisted um, he'd done nothing wrong in that press conference. I mean, it was just a couple of hours later, Chris Hipkins walks out, and I thought it was fascinating watching him walk out into those black and white tiles just before the house sat with a piece of paper and reading word for word, basically, that um, Stuart Nash had offers, offered his resignation. Do you think that was unusual it? to be reading that? I, I think Absolutely. so. For, yeah. a former, for someone who's as confident and capable and, and smart and quick on his feet as Chris Hipkins, I thought that was really interesting. So why do you why? think he did yeah. that? I think um, he wanted to get it precisely right. Mm. I think he wanted to not make any errors or anything and just get that statement across. Not make the situation worse, yeah. Well, I think in those, you have to dot your I's and cross your T's. I also don't think he'd had a whole lot of time because Mm. they'd discussed it. He'd sought several ministers' advice on that and then had to walk out onto the tiles. So the safest option is to read that piece of paper. And I think in that moment, that showed us that he is prepared to be decisive Mm -hmm. um, and really make those tough decisions quickly if he needs to. I think we then saw a different side of him when there was the sort of lesser offence, still breaching the cabinet manual and and not a smart thing to do, but the other things were um, not as definitive. And in that situation, he adjusted the punishment accordingly. So I do think he was reasonably thoughtful that next day and perhaps and, and quite decisive that first day. So I think it was very telling for how we're going to see him perform as Prime Minister. Yeah, it was interesting, right? So it was three terrible days in a row for Stuart Nash. <laughs> he had the Wednesday where he did the Hosking interview. On the Thursday, um, News Talk ZB, they broke the story that a couple of years ago, he'd done another interview with Mike Hosking in which he had called for a very long sentence for uh, Eli Epihar, the um, gunman who had gunned down two police officers in West Auckland. Um, and while 99% of the public would agree with him, you can't say that when it's still before the courts. So he's in trouble over that as well. And then on the then on the Friday, he was demoted um, to the bottom of Cabinet from his other portfolios that he still held, forestry and... Um, uh, fish, fisheries, fisheries and economic development. He's demoted over um, other comments he'd made... Um, Sorry, not other comments he'd made, but for basically taking a shortcut when it came to trying to help a medical professional in his community um, with immigration problems he was making. And yeah, I think 99% of people could probably forgive him for that as well. But, it but was that, still it was that breaking the, you know, still not not the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah not following yeah. the process. Not, not following yeah. the correct process, mm-hmm. but trying to get a good outcome for your community. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, given Which we've just come out of a pandemic, we're very short on um, yeah. medical professionals. Mm. Perhaps, yeah, like I said in the live cross, perhaps we don't need to guillotine him for that. But it was that call to the police commissioner. Yeah. Just stupid, stupid stuff from a senior minister there. And so do we think that this is over now? Do you th- Is it contained? Has Chris Hipkins dealt to it? It's so dangerous saying that, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to know, because the Solicitor General got involved, gave him a bit of a slap on the wrist with a wet bus ticket over the comments about well, Eli Epiha, right? Yeah, so the and Solicitor so- General received a complaint that he was in contempt of court. They said, hey, we asked the Attorney General, David Parker, to have a word with him. Um, and... David Parker says he did. Stuart Nash says he doesn't remember it. Um, but basically, it was a couple of comments at the end of a sentence about, you know, he hoped Eli Epiha went along, went, went away for, a, went to jail for a long, long time. Um, you know, it was during a long interview. It was a couple of words that were pretty, were a little bit silly in hindsight. Um, but yeah, not a capital offence. Well, I tell you what, though, it was, uh, I think, uh, even though it was a torrid week for Stuart Nash, it was a fascinating week for us. It was, it felt like real politics, really back to it after... For the first time in a long time. Yeah, in a really long time. Um, And so that bodes well. And I I mean, I hope we have a whole lot more uh, very fascinating weeks in politics ahead of us. Can I just say, though, how is it only March? (laughs) It's been a long, long year. Yes. We're not even at the budget yet. Well... We'll get there. So, and um, it'll be a great time. I'm excited. Are you excited, Jessica Much Mackay? I'm beaming and um, smiling ear to ear. I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. That's true. All right. So, this was One News Inside Parliament, your peek behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week inside Parliament. Do you have a burning political question? Do you want to hear more from us on a particular topic? Send your feedback to our brand spanking new email address inside parliament at tvnz.co.nz. Inside dot parliament. Oh, actually, it's inside parliament. That's what they ended oh, up making. Okay. Oh, we'll cut that bit. <laughs> um, Let's do that again. Yeah. Uh, send your feedback to inside parliament at tvnz.co.nz and of course uh, my little spruik for the website that I write for head to onenews.co.nz for more insight and follow One News on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook all the links are in the details for this episode on your app and if you like this episode tell a friend to listen One News Inside Parliament available on all good and even average podcasting apps <laughs> <laughs>